what, what enthusiasm here today. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> you know, services like this uh, started in, in uh, New Zealand about 22 hours ago. And uh, people have been praising God ever since, all day long. It's just been going on all across the globe. And it's going to keep on going for another 12 hours or so. People will be excited in churches and excited in homes, sharing meals together and worshiping the Lord. And by the end of it all, about 2 billion people will be celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You know, George Gallup did a poll a few years ago. And, and it said that even 84% of people who never go to church believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I, I was astounded by that. I was like, really? That's amazing. I don't need to preach about how Jesus, you know, rose from the dead because everybody seems to believe it already. You know, uh, the fact is it's a historical fact. It wasn't done in secret. The whole city of Jerusalem knew about it. I mean, eventually the whole Roman Empire figured it out, but but the gospel was being spread everywhere. And, uh, I mean, if if CNN was there back there, man, they'd they'd be covering this live on TV, interviewing all the disciples, you know. (laughs) Did you see him, you know, (laughs) which one, all these things. Uh, You know, there was 15 historical references where Jesus appeared to people and he ate with them and uh you know at at times they thought oh it's a ghost you know they're freaking out and he said hey let me have some fish you know and they gave him some boiled fish he ate it uh another time he actually he uh he cooked breakfast for a bunch of guys out in the seashore and uh and another time he showed himself to 500 people all at the same time and so this is not done in a corner somewhere this is uh like a lot of people saw and witnessed a lot of eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So today we're going to look at two questions uh, regarding Easter and the resurrection. The first is, what does it mean? What does it mean? And what is, and the next one, what does it matter? And so uh, we're going to start with the first one. What does it mean? What are, what are the ramifications? What's the uh, upshot of the resurrection? Um, so what it means, first of all, is that Jesus Christ is, in fact, who he said he was. You know, Jesus claimed a lot of very outlandish things about himself. He claimed, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. No one comes to the Father, or he who believes in me. Sorry, I'm getting my verses mixed up. (laughs) I'm going to say that next one a little later on. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. What an awesome thought. But who says this kind of thing? Like, either he's got an ego that's like through the roof, or he really was someone incredible. Uh, you know, he said other things like, like that he's God, that he's the I am, that before Abraham was, I am. He said, I, I'm perfect. He said, I'm the only way to heaven. He said, I'm the savior of the world. He said, I, I can forgive sins. <laughs> These are outrageous claims. You know, a lot of people try to make Jesus out to be a good teacher. You know, oh, he was a good teacher, you know. You know, I I teach on Wednesday night, Friday night, Sunday morning. And maybe some of you, you know, say that I'm a good, Bill's a good teacher. It could happen. You know, someone could say that. (laughs) You know. (laughs) But if I started saying any of these things that Jesus said... Hey, I can forgive anybody's sin, or, or I, I'm God, or, or, you know, or I'm the Savior of the world. What would that make me? 
a bad teacher, a terrible teacher. Yeah, he's no longer be a good teacher. So don't say that Jesus was a good, a good teacher unless you actually believe that he was the Son of God, that he was God himself in the flesh on earth, that he did these things by the power of God. You know, um, Jesus either was who he said he was, or he's the biggest liar that's ever been on the face of the earth. That's really the only two options there is. Uh, but he substantiated what he claimed and validated that by doing the impossible just the, the way he said he would do the impossible. You know, if someone does the impossible, that's one thing. But if you say ahead of time, well, this is the impossible thing that I'm going to do, and then you do the impossible thing, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, this one time, the Jews were gathering around Jesus and saying to him, you know, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, if you're the Messiah, let us know. Tell us. And Jesus said, hey, (laughs) I did tell you, but you didn't believe. The works I do in my Father's name, they they testify about me. I and the Father are one. What, What is he saying there? He's saying that he's God, really, right? Well, that got their attention. <laughs> and they started picking up stones to stone him. And Jesus says, hey, well, what good work did I do that, that you're stoning me for? <laughs> uh, for which one of these do you stone me? Uh, we're not stoning you for some good work that you did. We're stoning you because you, a man, are saying that you're God. They had a beef with that. Uh, and Jesus, again, points to the miracles that he's doing. And he says, I do them that you might know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. In other words, the 50 or so miracles that Jesus performed 2,000 years ago, they had one very important purpose. They were substantiating what he was saying about himself. And uh, But it seems that even though he did all these miracles, raising dead people, giving uh, allowing lame people to walk giving sight to blind people these are incredible miracles but even though he did all these things guess what the jewish people they said oh oh give us a sign that you're god or that you're the messiah give us a sign so we can believe in you i'm sure jesus was going like where have you been (laughs) you know like have you not been paying attention like uh but actually this is this is what what happened it's just like all these miracles don't seem to be enough for people to believe and so the jews say say to him what sign are you going to show us that you do these things and jesus answered the very weird answer he said destroy this temple in three days i'll raise it up again and then jesus said to him it's taken uh it's taken 46 years to build this temple you're going to raise it up in three days But he was speaking about the temple of his body. In other words, he was saying, okay, enough about all the miracles. I've I've done lots of miracles. You don't believe those things. I'll tell you what. I'm going to destroy this body. And in three days, I'll rise it up again. And that's going to be the thing that will either convince you or won't convince you. That'll be the line. Either you believe or you don't. And uh, so another time, some scribes and pharisees are answering him saying teacher we wish to see a sign from you so it happens again 
And again, he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign shall be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days in the heart of the earth. What was he saying? You know, the miracle about Jonah wasn't so much that he got swallowed by a fish. I mean, that's, that's a miracle in itself. But what was the miracle of Jonah? That he survived, yeah. Yeah, that he, he got spit out of the fish, that he survived. And so it is with Jesus Christ. That's what he's pointing at. He's saying, just like Jonah was in, you know, as good as dead in the belly of a fish, and he survived that somehow, so the Son of Man is going to survive that, the death. And so, <clears throat> so he, he, instead of doing more signs like he's been doing, he just alludes to his resurrection. He alludes to being crucified and buried and coming back to life. Now, I don't know if you remember the, the, the parable of Lazarus. Remember the parable of Lazarus? You know, the, uh, Lazarus goes to heaven. He's a poor man, and there's a rich man. And the rich man goes to hell, and and the rich man's in hell, and he's saying, "Hey, Father Abraham, can you send Lazarus over here to dip his finger in some water and dip it on my tongue to cool me off a little bit?" And uh, you know, and Abraham says, "Oh, there's a big chasm," and and the, the the thing goes on and on. But finally, the man in hell is worried about his brothers, and he says to Abraham, "Well, can you send Lazarus to back to my brothers to tell them about you know?" that this horrible place called hell so that they don't end up here either and abraham says uh well they have moses and the prophets and lazarus says and and the, the rich man says this he says well yes but if someone from the dead goes to and tells them they'll believe and abraham responds with very interesting words he said If they don't believe Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe if someone rises from the dead. Now, I find that very, very fascinating because Jesus did rise a guy, raise a guy named Lazarus from the dead. And guess what? The Jewish leaders still didn't believe, even though it was obvious that he was there. And in fact, when Jesus rose from the dead, they still didn't believe. And so even though people rise from the dead, some people will not believe. It's unbelievable, really. It's crazy. Uh, Well, that's one of the claims of Jesus Christ, that he was God, and that was proven when he rose from the dead. Another claim, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. That's a pretty strong (laughs) claim, isn't it? Highlight the word the. You know, I am the way, the truth, the life. This is, this is wild. I mean, he's basically saying there is no other truth. There is no other life. There is no other way. The only way to receive eternal life is through Jesus. The only way, the real truth is Jesus Christ. The only way to the Father, the only path to God is Jesus Christ. You know, some people say, oh, many paths lead, lead to God. And, and, and uh, you know, there's, there's many, all roads get to heaven. Well, you know what? That statement is just dumb, okay? That's like saying, you know, all roads lead to Prince Edward Island. 
No, there's only one road to Prince Edward Island, okay? There's only one road. You can't get there any other way. Other, you can't drive there any other way except for that road. Uh, and neither is there another path to heaven. Jesus is it. His rex- resurrection validated this claim that he was the way. If he wasn't the way, he wouldn't have rose from the dead. You want to get to the Father, want to get to God, the Father in heaven? You have to go through Jesus. He's the only way. Secondly, the resurrection also validated his claim to have all power. Jesus has the power that he claimed to have. You know, Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Uh, He was God, so he had all that authority and power. He could do anything that God could do. And in John 10, verse 18, it says a very interesting thing. He says, nobody takes my life away from me. Now, really? He's about to get dragged away by Roman officers and nailed to a tree. And he says, nobody can take my life away from me. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. And he did both those things. The Bible says very clearly that he gave up his spirit. In other words, he died on purpose. He decided when he was going to die. You might think that it was the cross that killed him. That's debatable. He gave up his spirit. And then later on, he takes up his life again. It's an awesome thing. No force could keep him in the tomb. The Romans killed him. They put him in the tomb, put a big stone in front of the tomb, put, it, put the, a 24-hour-a-day guard on the tomb, and put the Roman seal on the tomb as if they were going to keep him in there. You know, They heard about him saying he was going to rise from the dead. And they tried to stop that, but they couldn't stop it. <laughs> That's where you get that saying, you can't keep a good man down. It comes from Jesus Christ, really. And ultimately, the resurrection means that Jesus does what he promised to do. Amen? He does what he promised to do. He took the twelve aside and told them that he was going, what was going to happen to him. He said, we're going to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, kill him. Three days later, he will rise. I love it that Jesus predicts this. It's just like, this is what's going to happen. And then he goes and does it, right? Three days later, he rises. <laughs> uh, when you think about it, it's kind of, there's kind of some humor in the, in the Easter story, isn't there? I mean, all this effort to crucify Jesus Christ, you know. Can you imagine if you were a Roman soldier that was there that day, uh, nailing him to the cross or whatever, and then, then, you know, a few days later, you're walking down the street, and all of a sudden Jesus is walking there, and you'd be like, what? You know, what's going on here? That'd be crazy. Uh, Remember what the angels said to the ladies when they came to the tomb? Don't be frightened. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He came back to life again, just as he said he would. He does what he said. He is the power, and he has the promises, and he is who he is. Um, When God makes a promise to you, you can count on it. Well, that's what the resurrection means. It means that he was who he said he was. He has the power that he said he had. And he keeps the promises that he said he would do. So what does it matter? 
So what? So we did all these things. What, what does that mean for us? What does that mean today for Bill Butworth in Ottawa? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does it matter? Uh, so what if Jesus said he was, he was who he was? What does that mean to me? Well, it means three things. First, it confirms that his death really did pay for our sins. This is a really cool thing that happened on the, through the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 has a really big deal. Paul is making this big argument. You see, there were some people in Corinth that said, hey, the res- re- people don't rise from the dead. I mean, once you die, you're, di- you're dead. And Paul had a big issue with this. And he says, hey, of course there's a resurrection, because if there's no resurrection, then Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead. And if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Hold it a sec. What does the resurrection have to do with still being in their sins? Well, that's what we're going to explore just for a minute. He's saying, Paul is saying, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we have no idea whether his death actually was effectual in washing away our sins. I mean, yes, he said that his, his blood would be effectual and that it would wash away our sins. He said that he would be the lamb that takes away the, the sin of the world. He said all those things, but he also said he would raise from the dead. If he didn't raise from the dead, then how do we know that any of his promises are true? He said that, uh, um, so stop for a moment and, and just think about this, you know. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if his, his resurrection was somehow a fraud, as some people say it is, uh, what then is the meaning of life, really? Why are we on this planet? What are we doing here? Let's face it, if Jesus didn't rise on Easter Sunday that, that so long ago, lay aside his burial wrappings, step out of the tomb, show himself to those who loved him, if he didn't do all that, then nothing really matters. It really doesn't matter anymore. If Jesus didn't come back alive from the dead, or his resurrection was a hoax, then nothing, absolutely nothing, means anything at all. Now you might say, well, you're overstating that, aren't you? Not really. Because then we just have nihilism, pure and simple. There's no purpose to living. There's no purpose to being around. The good we do vanishes. Uh, We're just a flash in a pan. You know, there's been eons and eons of time before us, and there'll be eons and eons of time ahead of us. And and what's it all for? It doesn't do or prove anything. Uh, The good work we accomplish, for what? There's no purpose. We're just kind of like, leaving footprints in the sand for the water just to wash over and make disappear, and that's all there is. And we're wasting our time trusting in Jesus, praying to some strange dead Savior. (laughs) No, my friends, without the resurrection, there is no Christianity, and there's no purpose to living. There's no reason to live. It just doesn't make sense. How pointless would our belief be to believe in a dead Christ? doesn't make any sense. Trusting in a lying God doesn't make any sense. Uh, There wouldn't be a happy day today. But hallelujah, Jesus did rise from the dead, didn't he? 
He did confirm that his death was effectual in washing away sins when he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. You know, Romans 4, verse 25, 25 says a very similar thing. It says, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And again, I'm thinking like, we're just, aren't we justified by his death? How is it that he's raised for our justification? How can Paul say that a justification happens through Christ being raised? Well, I think it happens in two ways, okay? First of all, um, the good news of his resurrection following his uh, sin-defeated death, that that resurrection, you you know what happens because he was raised from the dead? It creates faith inside of us. We start believing that he is, in fact, the Son of God. We start believing that he was God himself. We start believing that he was who he said he was. And we start trusting him, obeying him, and worshiping him. Why? Because he rose from the dead. And that's how justification happens. Remember that Ephesians says, It is by grace you've been saved through faith. Where does the faith come from? The faith comes from hearing that Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we wouldn't have faith. If we didn't have faith, we wouldn't be justified. And so this is how I I think it makes sense that we are justified through his resurrection because resurrection is the seed for faith. That makes sense? I hope you followed that. It's a little bit convoluted, I guess. But it made sense to me as as I studied this. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. It's the seed of faith and it's the seed that therefore creates justification in us the bible says if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believed in your heart that what god raised him from the dead you see the faith there it's right there you will be saved so justification comes through this understanding that jesus rose from the dead secondly He was raised from the dead so that he could apply our justification to us. So in other words, Jesus has gone to heaven. Um, Edwards uh, comments on Romans 5 verse 25. He says this, that is, raised again that he might see to the application of his sufferings to our justification, that he might plead them for our justification. In other words, Jesus is back in to life and he's by the father's sides and he's saying oh that one i paid for he's he believes in me so he's mine so you can forgive all of that one's sins that's that's what the bible says who is it that condemns jesus christ is the one who died more than that who was raised to life who is at the right hand of god who is indeed interceding for us so in other words it's because christ rose from the dead that god that, that he is able to intercede for us, that he is able to apply his just life to our unjust life, to apply, to impute to us his righteousness, because he's alive and able to do that. Amen. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. So where were we? Resurrection matters because it confirms the death paid for our sins right and because it supplies power for living 
It's because Jesus rose from the dead that we have this amazing example of God's power and what God can do. Let's face it, living can be a real hassle, right? How many of you have had some struggles in the last few years? <laughs> okay, you don't need to put your hand up. I think we all have had that. I read about uh, this guy, Charlie Shedd. He's an author, and he said, Before we had kids, I used to travel across the country teaching this lecture I called The Ten Commandments for Raising the Perfect Kids. Then I had a kid. <laughs> I changed that to 10 hints for parenting. Uh, then I had another kid. <laughs> and I uh, changed the title to A Few Tentative Suggestions for Fellow Strugglers. <laughs> then we had our third child. I stopped teaching at all. <laughs> so I love that. It just describes, you know, as you mature, as you get older, the realities of life starts to hit you. And you're just like, man... As you mature, you figure out that you haven't got it all figured out, right? We, we just don't. And, and so we struggle in this life. There's problems in this life. Um, and yet, we've got some good news here. Because Jesus rose from the dead, he says there's power available for you to live your life in victory, in power. Uh, I talk to hundreds of people all the time. And a lot of people come to me and they share with me about their struggles in life. You know, I'm struggling with this. I can't, you know, I, I procrastinate or I, I'm struggling with my marriage or I'm struggling with, with work or I can't make it through school. Things are difficult. I feel powerless to change my situation. I feel powerless to break this bad habit. I feel powerless to, to save my marriage or this relationship with my son or whatever. I can't get out of debt. I feel so powerless. Well, guess what? There's a power available that is more powerful than you can imagine. It's the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That power is available to you to live your life. Ephesians 1.20 says, How incredibly great is the, His power to help those who believe in Him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I love that. We have the same power that raised Christ from the dead to help me. So, you know, when, I, when I'm struggling with a sin or whether I'm struggling with a relationship, I know God is going to help. I know God is going to smooth the way out. And he does over and over again, all the time, so often, especially when I stop and pray. <laughs> That's a key issue. Uh, you know, we don't know what the future holds. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows except God. But even though it's kind of out of our control, it's in God's control. And he gives me the power to face the future. Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I'm ready for anything through the strength of Christ who lives in me. Amen. <clears throat> so does it say that I'm ready for anything through the strength of positive thinking? No, of course not. Uh, am I ready for anything because I psyched myself up? No. I'm ready for anything through the strength that Christ gives me. It's that power that works in us that makes us ready for anything. Amen. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. This is not talking about giving life to your eternal body. You're going to have an eternal body like Christ. This is giving life to your mortal body, the one that's going to die. And you might say, well, we're already alive. 
Ah, but this is a spiritual life that it's giving you. The Spirit comes into us, gives us a spiritual life, gives us the power to say no to sin, the power to live a holy life. I'm telling you, I need that power all the time. And so the last point today, uh, it really kind of comes from this this verse, but it's beyond that. Um, The resurrection is meaningful because it secures my future. It secures my future. One of the global problems that we have, guess what it is? (laughs) We all die. It's a bit of a problem. (laughs) We we all get to the end of our life. Everybody dies. I'm going to die someday. You're going to die someday. And only a fool would go through life without ever thinking about death. We have to think about it sometime. Now, maybe we're busy going, doing about our, our, going here and there. But you know what? People don't like to talk about death. Have you ever said, hey, hey, everybody, let's come over to my house. We'll have some coffee and, and we'll sit around. We'll chat about death. <laughs> Just be like, uh, no, thanks. <laughs> you do that by yourself. <laughs> uh, they asked some kids to, to write about death. I want to share, Gila, aged eight, said, when we die, they put you in a box and bury you in the ground because you don't look too good. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Stephanie, aged nine, doctors help you so you won't die until you pay their bill. Mm, Yeah, okay. (laughs) Marsha, aged nine, when you die, you don't have to do homework in heaven. Unless your teacher's there, too. (laughs) I love that. Raymond, age 10. A good doctor can help you so that you won't die. A bad doctor sends you to heaven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, my friends, Jesus has been there and done that death thing. He knows what it's like. And he conquered death. And he rose again. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. What an awesome promise. Amen. <laughs> Ron Dunn tells the story about his son. They went to a carnival, and, and his son invited um, six friends along. And so Ron Dunn gets this big roll of carnival tickets, right, and, and for all the rides. And so at every ride, he hands out seven tickets, one to his son and six others. Well, at one point, he, he gets there, and all of a sudden, there's eight kids there. And he's like, who are you? <laughs> to this one kid that was there. He says, oh, I'm a friend of your son, Johnny. And so did, did Ron Dunn give him a ticket? Of course he gave him a ticket. He was a friend of his son's. So it didn't matter what, maybe he just showed up at the carnival. I don't know why he was there, but he was a friend of his son's. And guess what? If you're a friend of Jesus Christ today, Jesus Christ gives you a ticket for heaven. That, that's what he does. He just gives you a ticket. Why? Because you're, you're a friend of Christ. Uh, you know, some people want to get to heaven by various other methods. They, they don't want to go through the way, Jesus Christ. Some people, they want to go through, they, they just think, so long as you're sincere, it doesn't really matter what you believe. And I'm like, you know what? That doesn't work so well. Have you ever tried to unlock a, a door with the wrong key, but you really sincerely try? doesn't really work you know <laughs> like uh <clears throat> one day i sometimes you can be sincerely wrong i heard about a pilot that was flying you know and he thought the mountain was lower than he was flying 
he was very sincere about that. <laughs> he still died. <laughs> uh, he's sincerely dead. Uh, there are people who think that you get to heaven by service. I do all these good things. I work my way there. But the Bible is very clear that that's not how you get to heaven. Some people try to get salvation by subtraction. You know, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't cuss. I don't chew. I don't go around with the girls who do, you know. You can't get to heaven by subtraction, just not doing things. There are people who think they'll get to heaven by ritual, you know. Oh, I got baptized on the eighth day, and I, you know, I do communion, I go to church, I pray five times a day, I do this, I do that. You can't get to heaven. Because the Bible says the only way you can get to heaven that way is by being perfect. So that's plan A. Be perfect. Never ever sin once and do all the right things. How's that going for everybody? Yeah, not so well. <laughs> oh, and then there's salvation by heritage. Well, I was born a Christian. You know, my parents are Christian, so I must be a Christian. Uh, it doesn't work that way. It's, uh, <clears throat> my favorite of all is by comparison, you know. Well, I'm better than that guy who says he's going to heaven. <laughs> so what? <laughs> That's not the comparison. Uh, it's like saying I can bench press more than my grandmother. It doesn't really count for much. You know, it's not like we're going to heaven on the bell curve. It doesn't work that way. Bible says, Praise be to God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. <laughs> awesome. So how do you get this new life? Just simply by believing in your heart. By believing that Jesus is the way. You know, this whole thing about Easter, it's kind of like the Battle of Waterloo that happened in 1815. You know, the, the boats go across the English Channel to fight Napoleon Bonaparte, right? And then they come back. Now, they didn't have telegraphs and they didn't have, you know, well, they couldn't talk from the other side of the English Channel. So when the boats are coming back, they did signage with flags showing what was happening. And so they flagged the Wellington defeated. And then, oh, what? Oh, they're still signaling. I can't see it. It's too foggy. Wellington defeated. The news spread from post to post all over England. Wellington defeated. <laughs> but then about an hour later, the ships came through the fog, still, still signaling. Wellington defeated the enemy is what it really said. And that's the message Jesus Christ has for us today. It looked like he had been defeated. That Christ was defeated by the, the cross and the grave. But no, Jesus defeated death and Satan, and all his power. And now he has given us the resurrection life to live both now and for eternity. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and we are so grateful for this great news of Easter. Lord, that we can have a new life, that we can have power for this life, that our old sins are washed away because Jesus rose from the dead and proved that he did wash away sins on Calvary. Lord, I give myself to you afresh, Lord Jesus. 
I ask that you would be the living Lord in my life, that you would afresh wash away all my sins because of my belief in you, Lord Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that you would empower me to live a holy life before you. I dedicate myself from this day forward to live for you and you alone. For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.